Persons under 18 will not be admitted. What's up, everybody? This is Jeff and Ben. Um, talking with the dead. And still talking with. And still talking with. Still talking with is our live show. Yes. You can catch that every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Eastern. That's yeah. Eastern. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You live yeah. in fucking California. It's got to be three. No, four. Four? Yeah. They're oh. only three hours behind. What about daylight savings? Yeah, well, fuck that. We'll worry about that one. Okay, so if you're on the West Coast, you're going to have to look up when 6 o'clock is out there compared to here. Which would be actually 7 o'clock out there. 7 o'clock? Yeah. No, before this is over, I'm going to need a whole lot of serious therapy. You're all fucked up today. Another dollar for the swear jar. I'm always fucked up. <laughs> you should tune into the show and see really how fucked up I can get. Oh, yeah. Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. And when you do tune in, you're going to see amazing guests like this. Hey, this is Courtney Gaines. You know me from such movies as Children of the Corn, Can't Buy Me Love, Burbs, uh, even Back to the Future. Hey, everybody. This is Anson Hoyer. And I'm going to be on Still Talking With. <laughs> Hi, I'm Deadeye Swackhammer, and you're listening to Still Talking With. Hey, guys. It's Boston comedian Dave Russo, and you're listening to Still Talking. Do not change that dial. I'm gonna punch you in the face, you fuckers. In the face. Hi, this is Dee Wallace from ET Show, and you're listening to Still Toking Whip on the Dorkening Podcast Network. Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. You are watching Still Toking With. My name is Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have a fun show for you scheduled as always. And uh with us, Benjamin. How's it going? A fun show? Yeah. They're all fun. Well, usually he's got we got the most awesome show. We have an amazing show. Tonight it's just a fun show. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Oh, nothing. I was just curious why you went with fun instead of amazing or any of that. Trying just to curious. change it up, you know? What the oh, hell? Okay. For a fucking <laughs> Don't change. be a stick in the fucking mud. <laughs> Jeffrey, stick in the mud. What's happening? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Fucking mud. You know, I I kind of lost track of a couple of days here and there. I don't know how. Maybe it's age. As soon maybe, as I hit that sixty, things went poof. Maybe you got abducted by aliens. Oh, I well, I felt like that today, you know. So, <laughs> but we're not gonna we're not gonna go that route. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah. But um, yeah. So our um. Apparently, our, our, our guest is a little delayed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he'll yep. be on shortly, though. So, uh, just a heads up. We pushed busy it guy. Live. He's a busy guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But we didn't want to lose the stream. So, everybody that, you know, accepted the invites didn't want to, you know, have them go to try to hunt something down. So, we pushed it live. We, we can coming be... on to see me and you anyway, Leo, you know? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Because we talk about oh. the interesting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I'm actually looking forward to chatting with this guy. You know, we uh, we had some nice conversations with him over the last what month, month and a half, something like that. Yeah, something like that. You know, we met him down in uh, Virginia. Yes, we right. Did. Yes, yes, we did. So interesting, interesting dude. You know, apparently, apparently he thinks he's a rock star because he's late. Right. But you know, we'll that's see. all right. It's all good. You know, that's how. You know, that's how things roll. You know, I, I know he's a busy guy doing his shit, so. You know. Right, right. So, uh, ah, speaking of that. 
Speak of the devil, you got. Oh, look at that! You, 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 got, you, got him, you got him getting a drink. <laughs> I've been trying to get dinner too because I've had so many interviews today. Good to see y'all. Oh well, you, you feel free to eat while you're talking with us. We don't. Oh, I'm done. Yeah, Thank you. Good. I just had to. Oh, is that? Down. Oh, so we came second. I have to some dinner. blueberries too. So. You know. <laughs> All right. So what was for dinner? I want to know. I had a ham and a super sharp cheese sandwich on um whole wheat nice wow. we don't we don't even rate better than ham <laughs> <laughs> welcome it was welcome. Uh, we are live already tony so i just oh good good to see you hi hello everybody good to see you all let me make, make sure my hair is in one piece so <laughs> i figured you, you were going to say oh i was taking a dip in the pool and uh you know lost track of time no, it's like you guys know what's going on i've been going back to back radio yeah. shows and tv and yeah you go to my social media right now you'll see all the stuff i did yesterday it's finally up and it's been a, you know what i did yesterday was again today just different places so it's just everybody's yeah, curious I about mean, what's going on and what it means so you know people right, are right. very concerned well, well they should be they should be because i've yeah. been watching a lot of your social media stuff um just because we've had in-depth conversations behind the scenes yeah. Um, you know, but anyways, welcome to the show. We can get into a lot of that at some point, I'm sure. Um, you know, we want to thank you for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule to come chat with us. Well, no, this is, this is fun. This is a, a this is like conversation with friends instead of having to be like focused and, and everything. So, you know, kind of laid out and structured. I was on today with channel nine in Australia at the last minute, literally it's like, Hey, our guest fell out. Can you be, come on in five minutes? So I was talking to the Australian folks today, and that's stressful. I mean, you can never know when they're going to throw a kangaroo your way. You know, you have to be careful. They're, you know, they're, <laughs> yeah, those kangaroos can really punch, I hear. Yeah, they'll put it in the mail, and you open up, and a kangaroo jumps out. It would be terrible. Don't and they then, have um, those big, huge, giant toads out there, too? I'd be more afraid of those. than the I don't know. It, 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 like, maybe from drinking too much Fosters, people see toads out there, I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget they have the drop bears also. That's right. So, did, oh. did you know the Aborigines have a saying, you've never lived until you've walked naked in the rain? Did you know that? No. Oh, so I've lived. Well, I guess so. So that's that's, the, that's, that's <laughs> what they say. So not that I'm asking you to do it now. And plus there's no rain. But I'm just saying that uh, that's their philosophy. So it's not my philosophy. It's their philosophy. I'm just I'm just echoing what they say. So right, right, right. right. And of so, course, um, you should so, do you should do it in the right company too, because walking in the, in the rain with like uh, I don't know people who are like in the uh, Weight, uh, Weight Watchers Anonymous thing, I don't think that'd be fun. But you know, there are fun people to walk in the rain naked with. I'm just saying, not that I've done it, but I would do it maybe. You know, with the right people. So. Well, with the, I, I've, with I've the right done people. it, but you know, I was by myself, and I don't think anybody would want to walk with me in the rain naked. <laughs> no. No, no. So, um, we didn't get a chance. No. Uh, so, Tony, what I would like to do is uh, just sure. have you kind of introduce yourself a little to our, our viewers. Sure. You know, if you so, do that, uh, who you are, where you come from. I'm a retired lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. Uh, I'm known as a military operative, uh, intelligence operative. We, uh, we're all trained by CIA. We go through training at Camp Perry, Virginia, and uh, a little bit of context i guess i went to high school in lisbon portugal i started drinking and bartending when i was still 14 which is great by the way there's no drinking age so i went through high school in lisbon 
came back and went to college at Rice State University in Dayton, Ohio, back in uh, from 82 to 86. I got two degrees, environmental studies, which makes me an environmental, uh, uh, a climate expert le legitimately. And I can tell you all the baloney from the left is all baloney. It is, it is no context. We're not in a climate crisis, just letting you know. And then political science, which I've used a lot. Uh, being involved in everything from espionage to uh, trying to convince provinces in Afghanistan not to break away from uh, the larger Afghan government to, you know, air assaulting with the U.S. Army Rangers, uh, trying to figure out who the good guys and bad guys are. So it's been quite the quite the, the, the range of things. Um, as a, I started off doing counterintelligence, I was first deployed to Europe in, in 1985, undercover, doing counterterrorism stuff. I would leave college to go do things. I was in a special program. That's how I kind of got onto the path I am. Uh, next thing I know, in Washington, running operations. During my time in Washington, I ran uh, some, just like the movies, off-the-books operations. People ask me, like, how did you get to do all this cool stuff? And by the way, Operation Dark Heart is my book. I have a copy right here somewhere show everybody yeah here we go i wrote a best-selling uh book operation dark heart spycraft and special ops in, in the uh, in afghanistan and the path to victory uh they didn't take the path to victory just saying as we know joe biden decided to take a left turn and take a a a path to defeat but it is what it is anyway so this this covers uh my time in afghanistan and uh goes through a lot of, it gives some history and context of the other things I've done. So as an operative, uh, uh, I was, I ran the Army's clandestine human program uh, for a while, youngest ever to do that. Um, did uh, a lot of off the books operations. And, and as I was going to say, the reason I got to do all this cool stuff is because everybody considered these exotic, difficult operations to be career ending. And I guess they're right, because my career ended up getting ended when I had to testify before Congress when I was still a lieutenant colonel. So there you go. I guess they were right. But I still had a good time doing it. I ran the first undercover cyber unit, Stratus Ivy, right there, that little symbol right there on the wall. That was uh, in the late 90s before anybody figured out what cyberspace was and the Internet. Uh, went on to do uh, all sorts of things regarding Afghanistan. Um, ended up working and getting myself pretty much fired from being a, a whistleblower regarding the 9-11 attacks, regarding something called Able Danger, which was something we actually did have a shot at stopping Al-Qaeda before 9-11. Uh, again, the political leadership chose not to take that option. And next thing we know, we got Al-Qaeda attacking us. Uh, spent some time, retired from the Army, ended up working uh, in a variety of advisory roles. Uh, I was the National Security Advisor to Trump 2020, the, the campaign. Before that, I was actually uh, advising Mike Pompeo when he was director of CIA, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Joe Dunford, when he was chairman. So I ended up getting involved in a lot of things to help other people, I think, shape policy, which I think would, uh, at least I thought, would be effective policy. Uh, produced a series called Chain of Command with Nat Geo that focused on the Pentagon uh, fighting and defe defeating ISIS in, in 2017-18. And um, I do radio, TV. Uh, produce things, act in things. And I met you guys through our amazing, uh, beautiful friend, Cherie Curie, who uh, is yes. uh, someone who I greatly admire. I, I keep, uh, you see, I have I have her book, Neon Angel. I've always got a neon angel on my shoulder, which is always good luck. 
and uh, it, that here we are talking tonight after after everything is said and done. So there you go. Right. Well, nice. I I just want to say real quick, thank you for your service. I know people have already said that in the chat, um, but we always take a, a time out to thank our our veterans and first responders. But you have gone above and beyond. Well, um, thank you, Ben. I mean, look, you guys paid for it, so thank you. It was a great adventure. And <laughs> no, I'm serious. I I would do it again. I mean. Uh, you know, I, I, I did everything a spy can do literally. I mean, everything from a full body massage to a sergeant in combat, to being undercover from a stuntman to gray arms guy, you know, going on missions, you're not supposed to come back for, through from. So I, you know, I, I'm happy to be here in one piece, not too many, you know, I mean, I'm turning 61 this week, so I'm still kicking, but I, you know, I do have, some things which are permanent disabilities, but other than that, I'm still happy to be here and be able to talk and interact and, you know, have fun. Right. So you, you right, said right. you've been, uh, do. you, you've done an awful lot of interviews. Yeah. You've been doing a lot of interviews lately. Uh, now, is there, is there something that is really sparking that? I mean, is that you, you haven't always been doing that. So obviously something is sparking that. Well, no, typically to talk to you. Any given week, I will typically do probably two dozen interviews over the week. And that's a variety of radio, TV. Uh, my, my goodness. I mean, again, people can check out my Twitter, T-Spooky on Twitter or um, Facebook. And uh, I list the ones that are captured. And then I do my own radio show, The Hard Truth of Tony Schaefer. We tape on uh, Wednesdays. We have to present on it's, It runs two days on the America Out Loud network, which is on iHeartRadio. That's on Saturday and Sunday. We post the video of that later. We just had uh, Uncle Ted, Ted Nugent on this past week uh, mm -hmm. where we talked about all sorts of uh, Ted things. I, we were, you know, he was surprised that I actually went back and, and did research because I thought he played one of the best villains on Miami Vice. Uh, you know, and we were talking right. about Miami Vice and the armor and the gun he used. And then, of course, he wrote this amazing song for Miami Vice to, to, came, that became an episode. Little Miss Dangerous, which he talked about marrying Little Miss Dangerous. So I guess his life is like one long Miami Vice episode, according to Ted. So, you know, and um, uh, so I, I interviewed Ted. Uh, we interviewed a former ambassador from uh, from Israel today to talk about the stuff we're doing. Anyway, and then I do uh, on a surge time like now, uh, I'll probably do 24 interviews in two days, just uh, back to back, sometimes radio two and three. Uh, in the morning, two and three in the afternoon, plus TV, it all adds up. And so it's been a very busy period because right. people do, don't understand what exactly is going on with Hamas. It's not it's not an easy thing to understand. But once you understand kind of who's who and why they're doing it, it, it becomes a bit more comprehensible to the to the to the folks who don't pay attention. The other thing I try to do, Jeff, is that I don't think people understand necessarily how national security impacts their everyday lives, inflation, um, prices of, of oil, gas, all those sorts of things. And I think that's, that's one of the things the American people take for granted, which I think they, they, are, they shouldn't be, is that, that they believe somehow political officials act in their interest, and they don't. And I think that's one of the things that, that is most uh, directly expressed in foreign policy when they make really boneheaded moves. And, and Jeff, we talked about a few days ago, I think, when we were just together as a team, the complete... Um, a horrific idea that people in Maui 
would be going through the crisis they did and and getting $700 a family. And yet we are paying on average $4,000 a person in Ukraine to fund their war. And that includes everything from people on the runway and fashion shows in Kiev to uh, armor uh, on the battlefield. And it's like, I I get that, you know, Vlad Putin, Vladimir Putin's a bad guy. I am not a fan of Putin. I spent 30 years fighting the Cold War. But when we have priorities, which are very close to home, I do question the judgment of politicians doing that sort of thing when, you know, we should be focused on our own communities and trying to make people better for 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 what they need rather than, you know, basically blowing them off. So it's it's there's there's things like that. I try to explain why there's a disparity in our policy. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the majority of people out there, including myself, I mean, you know, there's, it's really, really hard to try and find what the truth is. Yes. Couldn't it's, agree more. You know, it's very, very difficult. And I spend a lot of time, right. uh, you know, trying to research. You know, Ben gives me a hard time because, you know, I'm one of those that, you know, I watch the news and he's like, why? Because I need to know what to look up. Well, you know I, I, mean? I actually spend time listening to NPR and things like that because so have you guys ever watched the TV series Portlandia? No, I have not. I've so heard of I, it. I, I highly recommend it. it it's uh, once you watch Portlandia, everything the left does like NPR, it all makes sense. Like, oh, I get it now. I mean, it, it is absurd. Some of the things they do for purposes of trying to to project uh, a certain philosophy of, of political correctness and Portlandia represents it. Well, I highly recommend the series. It, it took me twice to kind of get into it, but once you get into it, it's like, Holy cow. And so the reason I mention that now is because Portlandia portrays pretty much the woke culture for what it is. And everything they do is focused on how to essentially show that you care, show that you're really engaged, but care nothing about the world that you actually live in. Do nothing. It's all about encouraging or projecting on others what they should be doing. It's very totalitarian. And so the series actually is one of the great ironies. It, it, the series was on four years before the progressives in um, in uh, in Portland figured out they were being made fun of. And then they got upset. It's like, oh, you, you're making fun of us. Like, yeah, for the past four years. That's how oblivious they are to the reality in which they live. And then they wanted to cancel it. We want to get rid of it. So, uh, so it was so funny, but I do recommend people check that out because it gives you like a, it's like a Rosetta stone. It helps you understand how they will use media for purposes of projecting a, a political pr perspective and not factual reality. So. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So very interesting. You know, I mean, I've got a, I've, I've got a loaded question for you. Sure. And, you know, I've asked people this before. Okay. How do we fix it? Well, I, that's an excellent question. Uh, I, I, let me give you a two-part answer. First, you have to convince people like you're doing, Jeff, to think for themselves. It's, a, it's not an easy thing. Uh, the one thing I've done for my, my two sons is just think for yourself. Don't take anything at face value. Uh, I try to encourage people to check, check multiple sources, even incorrect ones, because if you check incorrect sources, it tells you something about what they're trying to say and why they're trying to say it, even if it's false. And you know it's false. Like, OK, this is this is what they're trying to say. But why are they trying to say it? And so that's the first thing is just question everything. Uh, 
I encourage people when I say something, go go research it. I, I try to be very precise in what I say for purposes of people being able to go out and verify it. So I think that's the first thing is just trying to encourage people to step away from believing everything or having faith in the government. I don't have much faith in the government based on being a whistleblower. Or the other things I've gone through, it, it's a very difficult thing. I'm not saying there's not good people in government. There are. There are people who do the hard work every day of protecting the nation and trying to do the right thing, who actually live up to the value of their, their oath of office, you know, and, and believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit, pursuit of happiness. There are others who are equally devoted to removing uh, that as a premise of our republic. Uh, every time they call it a democracy, we're not a democracy. We have a represent, represent, representative uh, system of, of, of states. We, we vote for people to represent us. We're not a democracy. We don't have direct votes on things. And the idea that, that many folks do want on the left is this democracy. They want to vote on everything. They want the big power centers, the big cities to be able to dominate the rural areas. I live in rural North Carolina, and I can tell you the people here don't don't dig what uh, Raleigh and the politicians in big cities want to do. They just don't. They don't. They don't want their politics. So, but my point is, think for yourself. Secondly, fixing things. People have to get engaged. Uh, one of the things I do, I do a lot of talks. I did a talk in Virginia just a couple of weeks ago, and I did a talk in Florida about a month ago. And um, yesterday, I spent my day doing public service and part of the day too. I'm still a member of law enforcement in Virginia. I actually spent part of the day uh, talking to folks on the inside. That I, I got to kind of split myself, Jeff, because I actually still do law enforcement stuff. So I can't talk about the mm -hmm. law enforcement stuff I do because, you know, I, I actually get to read intelligence. I get to know kind of what we're going to do. And I have to be careful not to tell the bad guys that because I'm a public right. figure. Yeah, I no, talk. I get that. Yep. So I have to bifurcate that. But on, on the other side of that, when I talk to people, I, I say, volunteer, become a member of law enforcement. Uh, here in Edenton, in, in Shawan County in North Carolina, I'm on both um, the, the Social Services Committee Commission, which I oversee all the social services, everything from uh, what funds go where regarding people getting emergency funds for heating if they don't have it, to child protective services. I, you know, I spent half the day yesterday kind of going through that stuff as a member of, of the, the oversight that does that. Plus, I'm on the library trust, so I have to go to library meetings. Uh, the, 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 the thing is, a lot of people don't get involved in local politics. And I'm not talking about running for office. I'm talking about just the mechanisms of governance that people have access to. And so a lot of folks just don't get involved. And then if you don't get involved, people on the left tend to get in there and then project their opinions and their policies on everyone else. That's what's happened in Virginia. So I'm saying you need to get people need to get personally involved. They can't sit back and complain. If there's an opportunity to jump in and serve, then jump in and serve. And I think that would change the, tra the trajectory at the local governance level. At the national level, uh, things are teetering, Jeff. I, I think this is where there's real problems. You get extremes on both sides trying to project on the American people what what they should do. And I don't even think, and we talked about this, Jeff, and, and Ben, mm -hmm. we talked about this. It's not about left or right anymore. It's about right or wrong. Uh, yes. Many many of my friends on the left yeah. are fed up with their side trying to suppress free speech, trying to, to push uh, uh, vaccines. A lot of the people, in, I know hippies on the left were appalled by being told that you have to take a vaccine because they're, you know, they don't want to be told what to do. They don't believe in, in uh, 
modern medicine. They don't believe in vaccines, and yet their party is saying you must do this. So I think it's more about those people who uh, cherish the idea of having freedom of choice, freedom of speech, and having living their lives the way they so choose to do it. And I still don't understand, and I've talked to my friends who are constitutional lawyers, where does it say in the Constitution the government can tell you or me what light bulb we should, should, we should buy or what gives the government the right to tell us that uh, CO2 as a plant food, uh, that that's somehow a poison and it's not. And I got a degree in this. And if we don't do something to uh, end our economy and the energy we use to run it, we're going to actually uh, ruin the planet, which is a complete lie. So it's things like that, that, that uh, has been politicized by parties, you know, politicians who are then trying to use that to, to retain power and use fear to scare people into to spending money or giving them money to, to take care of it. There's no taking care of it. We, the sun has the biggest vote on our climate. And oh, by the way, if we're really successful in diminishing the 0.3% CO2 in atmosphere, it's not even a percent, it's the 0.3. If we get it down to 0.2, plants start dying because it's plant food. So this <laughs> is the insanity we're faced with. And again, I, I, I've got a degree in this. I try to educate people. And, and people on both the left and right are just completely off the reservation. Kevin McCarthy said the other day, oh, we got to be concerned about CO2. No, we don't. we got to be concerned about the fact that we're continuing to fund a fantasy by the left that will deprive <laughs> normal, everyday Americans of adequate energy to live their lives. That's what we should be worried about. So, You know, now you bring up a good point. It's something that uh, I actually asked my wife this yesterday. Um, because I drive around where we live and what I see is barren fields, uh, acres and acres and there's thousands and hundreds of thousands of acres of trees just being wiped out so that they can install solar panels Yeah, for electricity. Now, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but don't we need those to help? I mean, the CO2 is plant food. Right. You can't just get rid of the plants. So that's that the makes point. No sense Jeff. to me. It doesn't. You you're, and you were using common sense, which is a rare commodity at this point. So, let me let's talk about just solar farms for a second. Solar farms are produced uh, by mining some of the most toxic substances on Earth. If you if you don't like carbon, which they say is 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 a uh, pollutant essentially. I mean, we, you know, carbon based uh, fuels such as coal and other things. You, you have to use a lot of carbon, a lot of coal to make a single solar panel. So you're mining coal. Then you have to have lithium and cobalt for the for the controls and storage. Lithium and cobalt come out of Africa and a handful of other nations. And you have to have child labor essentially going out there into these fields and pulling that stuff up. Strip mining. So it's I guess it's OK that they strip mine other countries, but not here. And as long as we benefit. And then once you get these things in place, they never preside, pr 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 provide the percentage of, uh, of energy that they're advertised to do. Not once, not in any instance, has solar ever paid off. And as uh, Jeff, as I always ask people in these lectures, do you know what the one thing that's required for all renewable energy to work? Do you know what it is? This, no. this is a trick question. Fossil fuel. Because it won't work without fossil fuel, because there's no there's no green answer that will replace 100 percent and then incorporate growth required as we as our economy grows in any scenario regarding wind, uh, uh, solar energy, 
or biomass. You know what biomass is? This is the next thing they're trying to do now. You know what biomass is? They want to burn biomass. It's trees. They want to burn trees, for God's sake. And so, you know, there's a, a movie out I recommend you all see called Planet of the Humans by, uh, 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 what's his name? The, the guy that uh, did Roger and Me. Um, I'll think of his name in a second. He's a lefty. Big fat guy. You wouldn't want to go walking naked in the rain with him. Roger, uh, what is his name? You know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. He's he's a lefty, a big time lefty. I'll think of his name in a second. Anyway, he they basically go through from the left and, and eviscerate the whole green energy thing because it's a, it's a fantasy. If you took all the biomass in the country, all of it, every 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 tree, every twig, and burned it, we would have a, one month of fuel. That's it. So you can't go to biomass. So everything they say is an option for renewable. It's not. Uh, the only renewable fuel that's available to us, which actually is renewable, is is what they call fossil fuels. It's not fossil fuels. It's hydrocarbons. It's been shown, and they suppressed the studies, Jeff, that the Earth renews itself and renews hydrocarbons. The reason it is, is it's, it's, it's science. You actually have a very hot iron nickel uh, core that cooks. It's very hot. It continues to circulate. It's what creates the gravity we're, 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 we feel right now. That process then cooks the, 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 the different uh, chemicals in the mantle and creates through the heat, through the cooking, through all these things, hydrocarbons, fuel. They have found over the past 30 years that all these wells that were run dry back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s have been refilled. How is that possible? It's because the earth continues to generate fossil fuel because it's not fossil fuel. Right. It's hydrocarbon fuel. So right. Right. that's why I, I, have uh, not to interrupt you, but to keep it simple for the people that are listening, I look at it this way. And, uh, you know, our bodies run through with blood. But I can go yep. and I can give a whole ton of blood. They can take a whole ton of blood and my body is going to reproduce that. Exactly. That's a great it's metaphor. The same thing. It's same the thing. Same thing. It is the same thing. It is literally the same thing. So so when I hear these folks, like you point out, hey, we're, we're cutting down all these trees. It's probably not a good idea. It's not a good idea. Uh, so another question. Uh, do you know how many trees there are on the planet as we speak? No. Want to guess? I'm going to guess. Ten and a half trillion. No, not, not that many, but. It's in the trillions, 3.04 trillion. Okay. So if you take 3.04 trillion and you they multiply. It used to be 10 and a half. Well, before, I guess, Bill Gates came in and chopped everything down for his farm. So <laughs> anyway, anyway, Bill, I'm only joking. Don't, don't poison my food. Anyway, um, if you if you actually multiply 3.04 trillion times, do you know what an average tree processes per year in carbon? No idea. 48 pounds. So if you multiply 48 pounds of carbon by 3.04 trillion, we don't have a problem. We don't remotely have a problem. We have a problem with not enough trees because the more trees we have, the more green space we have, the more oxygen we have. So literally, if you look just at the scientific fact and the patterns of weather, weather, weather is, is measured, as you know, by two to three week patterns. Climate is measured in 10 to 11,000 year cycles. So mm -hmm. for them to start saying uh, over an arbitrary 20 years, 
where they play games with the measurements that, oh, we're in a crisis, it's 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 fantasy. And they're trying to push us over to all these re renewables, which are not renewable. They do huge damage to the environment. And, and by the way, they've done studies showing that that cars electri electrified by uh, by batteries produce just as much, if not more, a CO2 footprint. So if you're really worried about CO2 and you're driving an electric car, you're not really helping. I mean, literally, it's, it's that stupid. But nobody is willing to say, this doesn't make sense. Jeff, you, you are an example of what we should be. people should think. Trees are good. Solar panels bad. Why are we doing this? Another thing we have where I live is um, those big old windmills, you know, those big old. Oh, we, yeah, we have them. Yep. So they just the they, they kill birds. They destroy. Well, yeah, the turbines. So so right over near where I live, about uh, 20 minutes from here is Elizabeth City. And they have a big field of these things. Every time I drive by, they're not going. And it's like I I, I ask one. It's like, what? how can these things never go? Oh, they only work in a limited range of wind. Really? What's the range? Nine miles an hour to 17 miles an hour. So if it's either below or above that, they're just sitting there. They're not working because the turbine, right. it can't work. So, and I've talked to the folks who installed them or the people who actually approved the politicians. And they said flat out, it, they, they have never delivered the promise of the power that was projected. Not once, well, not close. Yeah, I, well, I, read a, I read a whole article about those uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago. And it was, I can't remember the guy's name, but he broke the whole process down on uh, what it takes to manufacture, to build, to install, uh, mm -hmm. you know, these, a single wind turbine. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is that it takes so many more resources and so much more energy to build it that it cannot even produce to equal out what it took to make. Never, never. Right. And then they're not renewable. Once you make these things and they, they wear out, you got to put them in a big field. There's big fields of these things that they keep hiding where they take the old ones and just dump them out in the middle of the desert. That's I don't right know how that's to do. where all the um, uh, the old battery cars are that don't work anymore. Right. Probably because <laughs> and if you if, have you tried to exchange. So say a battery fails in your car. Do you understand that that, that thing is going to cost you as much as the car to replace if you if it, mm -hmm. if right. it dies out of warranty? So again, I keep at how is this? Oh, and so the other thing is cost. So Peter, Peter Buttigieg, booty judge, I don't know, I guess that's how you pronounce it. The guy with the booty was at question in front of Congress about what is the mean income for someone who owns a car? Now, I, now where I am for context, I live in a community, very poor community. Most people here probably make maybe between 40 and $45,000 a year. So the, the, uh, the average income for a electric car owner is $150,000. That's a lot of money for most people. And the idea that you're going to to, to push 30% of our society to electric vehicles by 2030 is literally insane, just on the expense alone. And then where's the power going to come from? Our grids, you know, if you're in California, your grid crashes half the time because you don't have enough power now. And then you're going to increase the drain on that by 15 to 20%. I'm just I'm saying it's like none of it makes sense. If you did believe that carbon is a, is, a, is a threat, then what you're doing to drive an electric car doesn't solve it. If you're simply saying we need more money to solve it and, and, and what are you going to do with that money? Oh, we're going to do something. Well, can you tell us how much you need? Well, we don't know. Well, why? Because the climate is warming. No, the climate is not warming. You guys are all cooking the books to make people think that. And you have this this, this stream of propaganda going with it. You and Basically, and, you, and Jeff, you know this. Uh, universities, 
universities are going to actually do studies which provide the outcome of those of what the funders wanted. So if you give a university $50 million to go figure out climate and you say, oh, by the way, I really think it's important you validate my my issue relating to CO2. Sure, we will do that because we saw that with COVID, they, they compromised the medical community, compromised their ethics. The scientific community has compromised their ethics as well regarding this whole issue. So. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. Is is all. All I say is green is the new red. It's Marxism. It's Marxism retool for the twenty first century. So well, you know, I mean, statistics can be written and fit to fit anything that you want them. Oh, to of course, fit. you know that's that's the fact of the matter. Now, yeah. I want to bring and, up and money talks. In money talks. So something I um uh, I read. Oh, maybe a few months back. And this is uh, it, over the summer. I don't know if you remember. They were talking about how uh, like down off of the coast of Florida and uh, the ocean temperatures are like the, the warmest they've been in recorded history and all this kind of stuff. And they're talking about the polar ice caps and how there's melting going on. Now, I was just in Alaska in June. You know what I mean? And I understand what they're trying to say. I do. I get it. But it's not being caused by what they say it's being caused by. Right. Okay. And I read a bunch of different articles from, uh, you know, professors and scientists that they're, they're being, they're being buried because my understanding is that the ocean floor is naturally warming. Okay. And you have all kinds of seismic and molten activity that go, I mean, there's volcanoes under the oceans. Right. And those are going through their natural cycle as the earth does. And those are starting to warm the oceans. You know what I mean? And when I get into a conversation with people about this, I I say, well, wait a minute, look, all the history and and everything that you know about the dinosaurs, the entire planet was tropical. The entire planet. And then it went into an ice age. We weren't even here. So how the fuck could we have something to do with what's going on now? We don't. And that's the thing. It's like they want you to believe it, but it's not possible. So the other thing I had to study as a a process of getting my degree. Do you know what the boring billion is? Boring as in? Boring boring? as in just like, you know, boring. It's like boring. The boring billion. A billion years of the Earth's history, nothing happened. It was basically a planet that nothing happened. So that's okay. my point is that there are there are there are powers, there are geologic, there's solar, there's all these other things which impact on our climate that we have no clue of. They can't explain why for a billion years nothing happened on the earth, not a thing. It just kind of sat there in this soup. And then to your point, a hundred thousand years ago before that, carbon was higher. Well, what did 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 the dinosaurs breathe it all in? Is that what killed them? I mean, come on. It's 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 literally that level of disregard for geologic time and science as it is not what they want it to be. Many things, Jeff, are are aspirational on the left. They aspire to this climate crisis so they can do things to implement certain political policies which benefit collectivization. That's what it is. That's Mm -hmm. all it is, because it's not a solution that actually creates more freedom or more prosperity. If you were worried about freedom and prosperity, you would be planting more trees. And if you're worried about CO2, find a way to actually use hydrocarbons more efficiently to actually benefit the environment. Because if you burn hydrocarbons properly, all you get is water and CO2. Just saying. 
So, mm -hmm. no, you're absolutely right. And there's, uh, to the best of my knowledge, there are two individuals uh, that patented uh, an engine that would run on water. Right. Okay. So the technology was there a long, long time ago. Yeah. Unfortunately, those patents get buried. Uh, and I believe that both of them um, have, I'll use the word passed. Yeah. They're, no longer They're out in the them. desert with the cars and the wind turbines. You know what I mean? I mean, there's, the, the technology is, yeah, I don't know if you follow Stephen Greer. Do you follow Stephen Yeah, I do. Greer I like Stephen Greer. Okay. I, I do. I do. Okay. Follow now him. he's a, he's a great dude. And some of the stuff that he says, I mean, uh, you know, uh, free energy, non-polluting energy has been available to the best of my knowledge for decades. Well, that that's what Tesla was working on is basically these large generators, which allow for essentially uh, energy to be available anywhere on the planet. As a matter of fact, I, I, there are theories that the, the pyramids, the actual Egyptian pyramids, were those type of devices that those things were actually uh, energy generators because I've been inside of the pyramid of Giza and I'm telling you that thing is not a burial chamber. That thing is, it's like, no, this is not designed for someone, some uh, Pharaoh to be buried in. You look at those walls, they're smooth. You look at the chambers, you look at the holes. That is, that was designed to do something. It's not a burial chamber. So if you start looking at some of these ancient things, I think there's a lot of answers there to be found if you if we are diligent enough to look. But to your point, Tesla was going down that road, and I think they did things to make sure he didn't he didn't make uh, make his his dream mm -hmm. a, a reality. Uh, I think there's a number of things which indicate to us that that we could do. So all I'm saying is, I'm all for as much energy as cheaply as we can get it. What I'm saying is, what the green energy movement is doing is the opposite of what we should do if we want to be free, independent, and able to meet the needs of humanity for the next 100 years. So, Right. And I don't think it can sustain itself. Well, green energy certainly can't. I mean... No, that's what I mean. It can't sustain itself. No. And it'll destroy our economy if we try to go in that direction. And again, I, you know... It's, it's already I mean, starting. Right. Yeah. And if you look at just the, the... I mean, look at California. Gavin Newsom, $7 a barrel, a, a, a gallon, and he's saying, oh, it's it's... This is like, oh, gas companies are gouging Californians. Really? What well, they're not gouging anybody anywhere else. How is that possible? And it's not. Right. Uh, it's all about their their wet dream to create uh, a, a, a renewable green energy society, which is just not there. It's it's not in the cards. It's not going to happen. No, and I agree. You know, I think Actually, that's, that, a, that's a good question in the chat, Leo. Yeah. Uh, so Carrie is asking, what reliable sources would you suggest for people to use for research that are easy to find and cheap or free access? So, I again, the, the thing that's the, the, the best uh, fuel is natural gas. Natural gas does not degrade. Uh, I've got a generator at the house. I've got a big 500 gallon tank in the back. So uh, unlike uh, hydrocarbon, like gas, Gas will degrade. Gas will essentially, after six months, get to the point of where it's, it, it, it will not provide sufficient energy when you burn it. So natural gas is, is not like that. Natural gas, when you burn it, it's just it basically come, becomes uh, CO2 and, 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 and water vapor. It's it. Very fuel efficient. Many of the larger plants that are now being planned, if you're practical, are natural gas powered. Natural gas is, is readily available. And I recommend people consider that many big cities want to natural gas to generate to run their buses. They do it very well. 
So that's the first answer. Natural gas, I think, is the best hydrocarbon-based fuel you can use with great efficiency, and, and it can be stored a long time, almost indefinitely. So that's one answer. The th second thing is, is we, should, we need to go back to nuclear. Nuclear provides almost unlimited uh, fuel for a very cheap cost. And I know Chernobyl, they're all worried about Three Mile Island. Those are anomalies. There are far more people who die every year from when plants are built for anything else other than nuclear. Nuclear has the lowest death rate affiliated with it, despite all the different bad news. And yes, you know, if you go to the, go to, to Fukushima, yes, they release some radiation into the environment. Uh, no, we're not going to see Godzilla come out of the sea because they did. It's it's all <laughs> unwarranted fear. It's, I'm serious. Like, you know, Godzilla, you know, I, it, this is something we should talk about sometime because you guys are culture guys. Godzilla came out of uh, the, the Japanese culture because of fear of radiation and, and the Hiroshima attacks. And that, nope. There's a whole yep. history that goes with that, by the way. So it's fascinating to, to dive into that. But I, I know we don't have time tonight. But I'm just saying that nuclear energy is, is one of the viable <laughs> forms of fuel that will basically give unlimited electricity uh, for years. And by the way, they're all worried about, oh, the, the used fuel. If you took every ounce, every pound of fuel that's been used to generate peace, peaceful nuclear energy, that is say in a reactor globally from every reactor, you take all the waste, it would only fill one stadium, one football stadium. So this idea that, oh, we have all this waste, it's, it's, it's a fiction. These things are very efficient. Uh, the fuel lasts a really long time. They don't have to change it out every 10 days. I mean, look at look at our nuclear uh, carriers and submarines. They Trust me, we would not be using nuclear carriers uh, and, and nuclear submarines if they weren't safe. So uh, the peacetime use of nuclear energy is something that's been way under under uh, under uh, used, and we should go back to it. Uh, beyond that, as I was mentioning, renewable fuel, uh, basic uh, kerosene for airplanes, gasoline for cars, those things are all available and plentiful, and we should basically do everything we can to make ourselves energy independent until we can get to some of these other things. Uh, will there be a day when we have fusion? There's always this talk about fusion. Fusion's coming, you know, this uh, zero-point energy thing. Yeah, I think it's possible. That's what drives the sun. I mean, you look out, you go out at night during the day, and you see the big that big thing. Yeah, it works. But we haven't broken the code on how to use it for us yet. So... Do I believe we're going to have unlimited energy using fuel? Absolutely. But yeah, yeah. not not next year, probably not the year after that, but before the end of the century, possibly. And once we have that, yeah. you're going to have all sorts of things available regarding energy and, and, yeah. and that sort of thing. And I, I, yeah, I, I think we have to aim for that. I really do. Uh, the problem that I see is that they're trying to make a shift and flip things way too fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Way too fast. You know, and, and people, you know, people, they're not going to tolerate it. Well, they shouldn't. Jeff, that's you the know, thing. They're just not going to tolerate it. They should. I mean, again, um, I live in a, a nice house. I have reasonable accommodations, heat. I keep the house at about 72 degrees. It's well insulated. Why should I sacrifice my comfort for a, a, a dream of the left to, to basically make all of us deplete our comfort for purposes of saving the planet? Why, why, why should we do yeah. that? Because we're not. They're not. Right, it's all right. a fiction. Well, you know, I've, I've read an awful lot of articles, you know, about the green energy. And, you, you know, I mean, I'm sure you, you know, know the fact that, you know, I do a lot of reading and I look stuff up. 
Okay. I haven't come across any articles or anything yet to convince me that what they're saying is accurate. Only the opposite. Right. Well, I'm, and I'm saying is that you can trust me on this, Jeff. I'm a subject matter expert, and what they're saying is complete nonsense. Well, they have, and, there's no proof to back anything up. That's the problem. Right. I don't it's care all, it's what all, you have to say to me. You know, you, uh, say whatever you want, but you, you better have something to fucking back it up. And they don't. Yeah, and they I don't, mean, but they want your money. I mean, stuff from the other point of view <laughs> that they do have the facts to back it up, just like but, what you're but, doing right here. But Jeff, if 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 you if you listen to them, if you just give them some money, eventually they're going to tell you. But you got to keep giving them money, because eventually, you know, they'll tell you what exactly you need to do. But you got to give them money first. It well, sounds like yeah, a rip to me. But then twenty years from now, it's going to be, oh shit, I'm sorry, we were wrong. Exactly, it's a grift. It's all a grift. Been, been down that road before. And, and wow. they'll sell you some snake, snake oil to go along to, to cure whatever ails you as well. If you got you like, know. you know, fleas or, <laughs> you know, ticks, they'll give you some snake oil and that'll take care of that too. Just saying. So, you know, trust so, them. They I mean, know, they, they you know, know. There, is, there is an energy source that, you know, uh, it's actually a lot more than that, uh, building products and stuff that for whatever reason, and it's one of the things that why me and Ben are doing what we're doing. You know, cannabis and hemp. I was waiting for this. Are a huge. It's a yeah. huge asset. You know what I mean? It's well, renewable. It's it's right. It, it it grows fast. It can make fuel building products. It's the fibers are are. Uh, I think they're only. I think uh, bamboo is stronger, and that's about it. Yeah. Otherwise, they're very very comparable. You well, know, and, I, and there's it, people out there trying to do an awful lot with it. Well, during World War II, hemp was a big thing because we needed rope, and it, hemp yep. rope mm -hmm. did very well. It was before the days of nylon, and we we did just fine. Plus, it, like you point out, it's renewable. It, it uh, you know you can grow as much of it as you need. And oh, by the way, if you're concerned about the environment, why wouldn't you do something like that? You know, I don't know. Well, exactly. Plus, it plus it it, it uses CO two as food. Right. You know, so I mean, I don't well, know. I'm convinced. Fighting, Where do I sign up? You're fighting big industry. You're fighting industry. Right. Well, that's in, just in, it. In you're fighting politics. big industry. You know what I mean? I mean, you're forget the medical and the medicinal yeah. side of it. You know what I mean? Um, you know, but I know me and Ben have personally talked to people that are trying to develop, uh, you know, uh, building blocks, you know, yep. uh, using hemp. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. the hemp fibers and this and that. There's companies that are trying to, they're making wood flooring. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I grow the shit there's myself. It is. It literally grows like a weed. Yeah. Yeah. There's even a company that we've talked to that uh, they're making almost like fire starters because it burns mm -hmm. for so long. I mean, one little chunk yeah. burned longer than almost almost longer than a piece of coal. It was insane. So I'm all for it. I mean, to me, that's, it makes sense. Plus, um, I've had friends who love the medicinal side of this, too. I mean, I don't know anything about this. I don't grow uh, the plants, but apparently there's a big industry for this. Uh, friends of mine engaged in kind of buying these things. And then, then they were complaining because in California, that's where they did it. And basically, <laughs> they try to do these mom and pop growths. And then all of a sudden, big industry comes in and buys them all out and drops the price. So you can't have people mm -hmm. producing it. It's all industrialized now in California, apparently. All the the different uh, cannabis things that you can buy out there. So, well, again, that's just um, it's it's just another form of control. 
Yeah. Oh, exactly. So, yeah, but no, I, I think it's a great idea. Anything's renewable. I mean, um, to me, we are all better off when we can go back to nature. That's why I got my degree in environmental studies. As a, I really do have concern about nature, and we should be doing things to to, to find sources that regenerate or are healthy. Um, one of the great Jeff, I'm glad you brought this up. Do you guys know that young men have been having uh, fertility problems that they're attributing to the plastic in the environment? Basically, we all drink from plastic things. It's it's in our system. Mm -hmm. And apparently it's, it's becoming a problem by the fact it gets inside your body and then starts interfering with processes. So nobody seems to be worried about all the plastic we use and, and plastic in the environment. Uh, we have whole islands, artificial islands of plastic in the Pacific, but nobody's talking about it. Why aren't we talking about mm -hmm. it? The damage to wildlife. Well, you got the microplastics too, right? Exactly. So I'm saying, yeah. Leo, yeah, exactly. The microplastics, right. which get in your body. So <laughs> that's a real health issue and, and environmental issue. But you know why we don't talk about it, right? Because big industry loves using plastic to put everything in. Mm -hmm. Right. Everybody from right, Coca-Cola yeah. to, to Swanson's, everything is in plastic. So, oh, my God, you're not going to go against the people who write us checks. You know, well, what? right. But like, the, could... like, like people are saying, you know, I mean, like I, I said I before, money store, talks. Everything. Yeah. Everything I buy is in plastic. Everything. Right. So I, when I get to the I, register, I have to get a paper bag because plastic oh, bags are bad for the environment. I mean, I mean, it, none of that makes sense. And you gotta buy the, buy the bags too, right? Yeah, they make you buy but, the fucking bags. But think about this: to your to your thing about hemp, you could make renewable containers using hemp in place of plastic. And why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you do well, that? Well, the the thing uh, I read a whole article about hemp. They were making um, hemp bottles like soda. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Part of what the problem that they're running into is yes, they're very very biodegradable, but their shelf life is too short right now because that bottle is going to want to disintegrate in 30 days. Right. Well, I'm sure they're going to figure out ways to you know preserve I mean? it and make it look so they, yeah, longer. Yeah. I mean, they, they've just got to work on it, but the problem is, is I don't see, uh, I'll say our government trying to, uh, pursue that in any no. way, shape or form. No, because There's they're no convinced that they want them. to get you into an electric vehicle. Yeah, it's there. It's an agenda. Yeah. So I'm saying the government should not be involved in any of this. The government should mm -hmm. not tell you what kind of light bulb to have, what kind of car you should drive. Think about this. Our tax dollars are used by the government to convince others to buy electric cars. Why should my money that I pay the government go to convincing someone else to change their lifestyle? Right. Yeah. It's not my job to convince anybody or allow the government to convince anybody on my behalf because I'm paying the I'm paying the freight for them to encourage someone to buy a Prius. And according to Jeremy Clarkson, uh, Prius is is, a, is one of the, the greatest uh, um, tricks ever played on mankind because they, they suck. They do. I don't know. Have you seen the Priuses? I would not drive a Prius. I mean, yeah, I hope you guys well, don't drive a Prius. No, you no, stick your hand out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I you mean, you, you can't do your I hand suppose, signals in those because you'll flip the car no, over. Exactly. You I know. mean, if you drive a Prius, you might as well uh, turn your test the testicles in. You know, it's like uh, I'm done being a man. <laughs> you know, I mean, part of the I'm done. You know, part of the thing that I see, Tony, is that, uh, and this goes this goes back a long, long time, and that's uh, propaganda and shoving stuff down people's throats. Okay, yeah. and I use this I use this analogy when I talk to people to try and get them to understand. You go out and you get a puppy. 
you chain that puppy out in the backyard on a 10 foot chain. And then every day you go out there and take one link out. When that dog is full grown after a year, its chain is going to be a foot long and it ain't going to know the difference. No, because it happens so slowly over a period right. of time. And exactly. that's exactly what we're dealing with here. Yeah, that's how I see it. That's a very sad analogy. But it's I don't I, people understand it, though. Right. It is a very sad analogy, so, but people understand it. Well, apparently you don't Real you don't know Joe Biden's. You probably maybe you do know Joe Biden's dog commander because he needs to be on a short chain. Just saying because he bites people. I heard somebody you know threw that? it in the water. Well, man, boy, uh, I don't know. Joe Biden is a lot of, you know, Joe Biden fell down in the shower when his dog did something. I don't know what was going on in the shower with the dog. Just saying. But Biden said he hurt his ankle in the shower. <laughs> to me, that's you a sure worthwhile what, mystery. Sure he wasn't like, walking upstairs. Really? Oh I don't know. God. He said he said he was in a shower and the dog made him fall. So you tell me what that means. Yeah, I'm not going to go there. So, <laughs> Leo. Um, yes, sir. Carrie, Carrie actually, Carrie actually rephrased her question. Um, yep. I think, I, I think, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she's that, that one. Yeah, yeah, she's looking. Uh, uh, she rephrased it. Says uh, she's curious about new sources of information for researching to help us in our critical thinking. Ah, well. Um, as I said earlier, to me, you, you read everything. There's no one source. There's, no, I, I on a daily basis, I get up and I start uh, drinking coffee at about six thirty, and I read for an hour everything I can find from all sources. Uh, and I, I actually, I hate to admit this, I love the UK Daily Mail. The Daily Mail has everything from aliens ate my baby to Hamas shooting rockets. It's kind of entertaining, you know. I'm serious, you know. You got Miley Cyrus. Oh, you know, right now they had uh, one article on on uh, Middle East uh, threats and 15 on Taylor Swift dating some knucklehead on the football team. It's like it's great. You know, it's like uh, tropicality. But I sort through it. I go to the, the New York Daily News. I love the Daily News. I think they're pretty good for the most part. Uh, and I just keep going. And I look, I, I go to the Hill because I want to know what the propaganda is from Capitol Hill. Political. I want to know what the left's thinking. Uh, I, I, I occasionally look at Fox news because Fox does have some things which are semi good. Look, I'm on Newsmax. I'm a contributor. So I can tell you if I'm saying something, I've researched it and I'm not going to go out there and say something that later I'm going to be contradicted on if I can avoid it because I don't think it's ethical. And, and my friends, you guys see me on there with Blaine Holt, Journal Holt and I are dear friends. Holt, Journal Holt is one of us. He just wants to tell the truth. He, he thinks that we're being lied to. He thinks we ought to be independent. So, uh, we simply, when I do, when I say something, it's based on something either I know, uh, it's something that I know because I, I've had experience in dealing with it, it's something I've researched from a source I trust, or uh, I've, I have uh, a reasonable presumption that I understand, like I've been talking about what I think is going on right now regarding the Israeli military and our special operations forces. And I have to say, I don't know, I'm, I have no direct knowledge, and I don't. But based on my experience, this is probably what's going on because I've been in I've been in that movie and I've played a, I've played a major role in those movies. So I know how things are done. So I'm saying that, you know, this is what it would probably be at this point in time. So that's what I, I think I try to do personally. But other people, you got to figure out for yourself what sources you believe are reliable. 
Another place I actually find a lot of stuff is, is YouTube. There's a lot of truth tellers out there. If you try to figure out who they are, you can figure it out. I like I, you got, you got your laugh at this. One of my friends is uh, uh, Victor, du Victor Van uh, Doomcock, the, the super ruler, the future ruler of earth. He plays a, a, a character, but he's been in D Disney's knickers. He tells all about the secret stuff. And I know him personally. He's a good guy. Uh, so he tells the truth about what's going on with Disney. There's other people out there you can find that, that can be kind of your guide and source on different areas. You mentioned um, uh, what's his name earlier. I like Graham Hancock. I think he's got some good stuff. Uh, there's some uh, there's several folks I find who actually are going against the grain, going against the narrative and trying to get new information out. So, you know, mm -hmm. Graham Hancock's been great. He's been dismantling uh, the oh, yeah. ancient he narrative. I love the fact he's yep. like, no, this this is all stupid. Uh, I'm finding evidence of older civilizations in ours, you know. And by the way, have, have you all been to to, to Giza and next to the pyramids? Never I recommend know. you go. So uh, I'm in a room probably uh, by, I don't know, about 12 by 10 with a fairly high ceiling. There are pieces of rock the size of this room, 100 tons that we could not move today that are stacked neatly on top of each other in the the, the area next to, to the Sphinx. Now, you tell me that guys wearing loincloths uh, with sand and rollers put together 100-ton pieces of rock and made it look uh, so uh, uh, pristine. They engineered it so carefully that it's now sustained itself for 5,000 years. Some guy who barely could probably read or write did that, I'm sure. It, it, so I'm just saying that people need to go out and look at things and what Graham Han Hancock says, his thing is like, yeah, I, I, there's something to that. There's something we're not being told. Right, right. Uh, so well, I, I, I want to I, I throw something out at, um, to, uh, continue with that question that Carrie asked about sources yeah. and stuff like that. Um, what I tend to do is I'll find a subject or something that I want to know more about. And then I read and look up as much about that particular subject as I possibly can from every source that I can find so that I can come up with my own conclusions. That's how I do it. You know what I mean? That's good. Uh, yeah. You know, as opposed to, yeah. you know, because my mind is works funny. I can't absorb different articles about different subjects. I got to find that subject and then learn what I can about it come up with my conclusions on what I feel and what I believe is true, then I can move on. That's just me. Yeah. But don't That's be, you know, for me, read everything. Look, you know, yeah. there's no, there's no good or yeah. bad nude source, uh, nude news source. You just well, nudes are good too. <laughs> just saying well, there's you know. no bad sources of nudes. You know, well, just saying, well, I agree. well, there is. Right. <laughs> So anyway, that, you know, right, that's right. Depends on who you're walking in the rain with. There's some pretty bad strip joints down by Tampa. I guess there are bad nudes down there. Just saying, not that I've been to those. So, <laughs> so um, cool. I mean, as far as for me, I just get somebody like Jeff and I wait till I'm on the road for 12 hours and I get all my news there. Yeah, and, but no true. nudes, news, but no nudes. No, 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 no nudes. Okay. News. Well, it may have been, I'm just saying it may have been a Freudian slip. It may have been a Freudian slip. Not that there's anything wrong with nudity. Just saying. So if you guys want to drive around in the nude on the road, 
who am I to judge? Just saying. And if you guys, the freer, the better, right? You know, if you guys are nudists, that's okay with me. Right. See, Carrie, here's a perfect example. How did we you get there? Take all the information, then you got to come up with your own conclusion about what's fair. That's right. People do. They jump to conclusions, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Wow. So uh, I, I I know uh, we don't have too much time left, but I just uh, I had a couple questions. Sure. Uh, and I, I'm I'm shocked the conversation hasn't gone this way, especially with Jeff here. Uh, but well, uh, Timber, I figured it could, but that that could be part two with Tony Schaefer. <laughs> well, this I need to know because this is recent. Go ahead. So uh, okay, Tim Birch uh, made a comment recently, uh, at, go, along with the. The UFO information. Uh, he yeah. gave a list of individuals. I'm not sure if you saw his his message or not, uh, but he says one of these people he believes is a dif- disinformation agent. Uh, he lists uh, Lou Elizondo, Christopher Mellon, Stephen Greer, Jeremy Corbell, George Knapp, Travis Taylor, or Brandon Fugel. Um, what what is your your thought as who could possibly be a disinformation agent? Well, I guess you have to go back before I, I comment on that. And I, I don't necessarily think Greer is a disinformation agent. I think maybe he's been fed information, which may be less than accurate. Remember, a lot of these guys have sources. Uh, not to get off topic, one of the reasons that uh, Mossad got their lunch handed to him regarding the attacks last Saturday is because the, Pal- the Palestinians fe- figured out their sources and fed false information to them to, to, get, to, get, to lull them into a false sense of security. Just saying. So that this happens. It's a, it's part of the game. There's a book called Operation Bodyguard I have over here. It's about the deception campaign regarding Normandy. And it, it's a great, it's it's like 600 pages. It's a big book, but it's a, a primer on how to run deception operations. It, it's all there. And if anybody reads that, you're going to figure out how to create uh, 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 paper, paper mills, false trails of information, uh, I ran double agent operations. One of the things you do in double agent operations, you feed what they call passage material, which is actually real secrets. But you you basically make a choice to send real ch- secrets because at some point you're going to send false information, but they you want them to believe it's real. So these things are all part of the, the dark arts. I'm just telling you this happens. But what I think you all need to do is, is there's a good book I recommend. I believe this book to be accurate. It's called The Day After Roswell by with Colonel Philip Corso. He's now passed with uh, with Bill Burns. Now, um, this book came out in the 90s. I was still an operative. And so I, I ran. My name is Spooky. My nickname was Spooky because I did all the spooky stuff for defense intelligence. So I, I had spooky people working for me. And one of the spooky people who was a uh, older gentleman, he was uh, uh, probably almost 60, this is back in the 90s, who had been involved in exotic things. So I, I gave him the book. I said, you know, go read this and tell me how accurate it is. So he takes it, comes back. I see him about a month later. And he says, I said, okay, so how accurate is it? He says, oh, about 60%. So if you accept the premise of the book being correct, 60% is pretty darn accurate. So that's, that's my starting point. So if, if someone I believe who was involved in this says, ah, 60%, that means the premise is correct. That something happened at Roswell. 
So that's that's how I started in this. And then I went from there. So um, based on my experience, can the government keep secrets? Oh, yeah. Everybody says, oh, the government can't keep secrets. Oh, yeah, they can keep secrets. They keep secrets two ways. They keep secrets because some things they just really don't want to get out. They will do. They will go to extraordinary lengths uh, with sufficient resources to keep things secret if they so choose. And this is something they've, they've tried to keep under wraps because technology there's a lot of technology involved in this we've this book talks about where the technology went by the way and i do believe it accurately represents that according to the book army's tranche of technology went to the night vision labs at fort belvoir i spent some time at fort belvoir just saying and where i went to college right right patterson air force base that's where they say the air force technology went i was on the campus of wright state right next to where they say the technology's at so based on my personal experience I believe that uh, that we are indeed in uh, possession of, of, of extraterrestrial technology. I think we don't understand what we have. I think there are elements within the scope of this that are good and bad. There are, um, if you remember the X-Files, there's, there's far more truth in the X-Files than people understand. Just saying. Uh, and um, if you just examine some of the the those episodes relating to the arc, the overall kind of premise of, of things being here. There's a, there's a number of clues in there. And uh, I, I, I can't get into things that I, I can't by oath talk about, but I can tell you that based on, on my experience and on research, there's ample evidence that, that, that there's things here that do visit us and things happen. And uh, you've got to sort through that because the government is not going to give up its secrets readily or easily. And those those people who have the technology don't want to disclose uh, how far along they are. So but that's why we have black sites. Uh, and by the way, Area 51, this, the technology that was there once is long since been moved. And I've been told it's been moved up to Montana and Montana is a huge state. So. Good luck with that one. Yeah. So anyway, did, right. did that give a good answer, Leo? Is that is that kind of what you were semi looking for? Regarding uh, well, I, I, I totally follow you on a lot of the stuff and and totally agree. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it's hard to say, you know, um, who could be. I, I, I do believe that, you know, Stephen Greer, uh, you know, he could be fed, you know, incorrect information because I, I all these people I follow. And uh, it seems like Stephen Greer out of all of them is the one that's like going against the grain a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, well, sometimes <laughs> well, the one, sometimes the one going the wrong way is telling the truth. I, th I, yeah. I mean, I don't want to sound too spooky since that is my nickname from the old days, but I think the, the, is, I think author, author C. Clark once said, or someone said the universe is, uh, not only more, uh, well, how do these phrase it? It's more mysterious than we understand. It's more mysterious than we can understand. And I think there are things that are just are right before us that that may not be what they appear to be. And my experience is, is that I think there are, there's far more activity that we can't fully understand going on right in front of our eyes than, look, that's, that's the best operations I've run as a, as a clandestine guy. We're done in plain sight of everybody looking like everything else. Basically, the first rule of clandestine operations is to look like nothing's going on. So if I were the aliens and I were here, I would be doing everything I could to make everything look completely normal and undetectable. Just saying. 
Right. Who uh, knows? Maybe I'm an alien. Actually, I think well, that we would all explain are. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that brings up another thing. Uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, the Peruvian uh, alien mummies? So, uh, well, Peru is an interesting place. Machu Picchu. Let's start, let's start there for a second before we go to the mummies. Again, if you just look at the stones on that high uh, altitude location in the mountains, there's no way. I don't think we could build something like that now. So, if we can't build that, what technology was used to build it? So, therefore, if you extend it to the mummies, I, I don't doubt necessarily that, that something happened. Remember back in, in, in the period of those mummies that were, were preserved, there was fewer people on the earth. And, and one of the theories I've been looking at, is, as Graham Chapman's been examining, I think, is Atlantis. Uh, Atlantis was probably a pre-existing civilization that maybe even had built most of these things and some, something went catastrophically wrong. But if you look at the Mayans, you look at Peru, you look at all these different, you know, the Egyptians and all these extraordinary uh, rock structures. Um, the the uh, the uh, Nazca Nazca lines. Why on earth would people spend so much resource if they're if they're primitive people? Why would you spend so much time and resources building something that could only be seen from from high up in sky in space? So, just to me, the the whole range of anomalies tell me that the science and history we've been presented with is not accurate. It's just not the uh, science and the history is framed by today's historians doesn't match the the actual artifacts which are we we see in front of us so yeah you know i think it's very possible those things were from alien origin so why why not you know, it's a, you know thing, think about this for a second i i i'm not catholic anyone catholic just saying i'm going to say some things about catholics my it's like i mean by the way who eats the body right. of christ isn't that cannibalistic just saying i mean drinks the blood i mean to me that's a little bit weird but okay so but think about it Think about the rituals the Catholic Church. I'm serious. Think about the rituals the Catholic Church has uh, basically uh, held unto itself. You know, you eat the body of Christ, you drink his blood. It's a ritual. Okay, I'm fine with that. You know, uh, I'm fine with uh, Pope Gregory the Eighth having orgies with his daughter in the Vatican. I'm okay with that too. You know, I mean, to each their own. Not there's anything wrong with orgies in the Vatican. I, I, you know, I don't think they do that now. Maybe if they they brought it back, they kind of renew the religion, but that's another story. My point being is that the Catholics have taken upon themselves miracles, right? Oh, it's a miracle. We have, you have to have so many, how, what is it? How many miracles do you have to have to be, uh, to, to be made a saint or something? I mean, there's like a process. Why are the Catholics the only ones allowed to have miracles? That to me, that's magic, right? So why is it they've, they've acquired that and said that only their faith can have that? So I'm just saying, that there are things that cannot be readily explained uh, through the process of, of science and logic. And some attribute that to religion, to beliefs. Okay, great. Then why can't you have a belief that some civilization was here before us with immense powers that did things and left uh, indelible marks on the earth? Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. It's like, why can't you have both? So, Valid you know. point. and by the way, I, 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 why did I, I think druids are way under underrated too. I mean, remember Stonehenge to oh, yeah. me, when, whenever we gave up, uh, sky clad ceremonies, you know, sky clad, right? You have naked women dancing around the fire as part of, I, why do we give those up to me? We should bring those back. You know, the druids <laughs> had it right when they did that. I'm just saying. 
Not that who am I to judge, right? So. Well, and that's, I think that's part of the, you know, one of the biggest problems that we're facing right now is uh, who am I like to judge? Like a nudity. Yes. Or well, like a nudity around fires too. Yes. You know, uh, but who am I to judge? Everybody's too judgmental. <laughs> you can't right, believe that because I believe this, you believe that. I mean, it's, everybody has the right to believe what they want to believe without right. being judged. Well, I'm going to get in trouble have... with my Catholic friends for trashing them again. So they always get upset every time I bring out all of their warts, just saying so. <laughs> Just be aware you're going to get complaints. <laughs> well, you, you also have inst institutions like uh, the archaeologists, you know, uh, especially with like Graham Hancock. You know, uh, you have somebody trying to research, you know, uh, some additional information and you have these people that are totally attacking them. Yes. You know, same thing with like the UFO community. You know, it seems like, you know, we're, we're close to disclosure, but then you have a group of people that like, are totally against it and they're going on the attack. It's all about control. It's all about mm -hmm. control. It's about who has the control, who has the evidence. Look, yeah. I think that Eisenhower had some real hard choices to make. I think he was briefed. I think the, uh, the MJ documents, the magic documents were real. I, I don't care what they say. I know how government process works. I've been in those really small groups where we, we do things we don't talk about. So I know those things exist and I know how those things can go off the rails because People don't want to talk about them. People who have control don't want to give it up. And things can be lost in the bureaucracy. We have an immense federal leviathan that things can get lost. And there's a great scene. Remember in the Indiana Jones movie? The, I think it's the the one with the um, the uh, Holy Grail. Not the Holy Grail. The one before that with the, the, the Ark. The Ark. Yep. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep. Raiders of the Lost Ark. They get the Ark. And the last scene oh, of the yeah, movie go, is they're yeah. taking it, putting it in some big warehouse that the government has. Yep. That mm -hmm. happens more than I think people understand across the board. So, wow. Then I believe that, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know. So. All right. Cool. Leo, you but I know, but now? I know, Leo, you have another show, and we could actually sit here for hours and hours and hours oh, yeah. and talk to Tony about all kinds of stuff. But from one thing that Leo didn't say tonight is if you want to yeah. follow Tony or want to find out more about him, just look in the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. You know, I mean, I, I've been following him since we had our conversation a month ago in Virginia. Um, there's a lot there's a lot more to what we've covered tonight. Let's put it that way. Well. Well, Ben, I hope this will be uh, something we do uh, on a regular basis. I enjoy the conversation. I think it's a lot of fun. And you guys ask me questions I can't talk about or don't normally talk about in the media because, you know, people want to have a certain impression of things. But uh, I have no – I'm not afraid to go any down any of the rabbit holes or paths you all want to talk about. Maybe that's not a good thing, but, you know, it is what it is. So. Well, that's it's, it's entirely up to you. And I got to say to Jeff, I have to work tomorrow, so you're going to feel down all, all the hate mail tomorrow. <laughs> no, not me. I don't no, care. I mean, know? listen. Again, believe what you want to believe. That's, you know, that's right. right. And let me right. caveat my yeah. comments about the Catholic Church. I have great friends who are Catholic, uh, and I, I really don't hold against them the whole Vatican – uh, orgy thing. I think it was a mistake, but you know, it is what it is. Pope Gregory, Gregory was a good guy by all accounts, except he had a daughter he wasn't supposed to, and he had orgies with her. So, other than that, they're fine people. Just saying, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, um, boy. So on that note. Yeah, we'll wrap Leo, things up. I'm, I'm going to let you do your thing. Tony, just sit tight till the show's closed, please. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I want to thank everybody for watching this fine evening. You know, uh, like Ben said, check the show notes up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. For me, you know how to find me. Head on over to thedorkening.com. You can learn more about the network there. Uh, a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. Uh, for me, we got another show going on in about half an hour, Midweek Geeks. I also do splash pages on Tuesdays, uh, still token with on Wednesdays, Midweek Geeks, also Comics Paradox and The Dork Night. A lot of stuff going on. So, uh, Tony, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Well, I, Twitter is very active. Uh, I encourage people to reach out. I try to respond as best I can. I'm T Spooky. T Spooky, it's kind of all spelled out there. Tony Schaefer, you guys have figured out I've got like 105,000 followers right now. And then I run two think tanks, London Center for Policy Research, at least for now, and Project Sentinel, projectsentinel.net and .com. So they can check us out there. But uh, look, I appreciate being here with you guys, Leo. It was a lot of fun tonight. So um, I hope people will think for themselves and ask hard questions. So Awesome. Totally agree. Jeffrey. Wow. Thank you, Tony. That was um, inspiring and a little <laughs> weird at some point. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, as far as us, uh, just go to stilltoken.com. Uh, really, you know, uh, go to the YouTube channel. Give us a follow there with Still Token With. There's a ton of content on there. Uh, other than that, don't look me up. Just follow us because that's what we're doing. I'm an individual and things don't work best that way. They work best as a group. That's how I see it. Benjamin. Well said for a change. Well said. I do want to say... Um, this is probably the first show in four seasons that didn't go off the rails. And I think uh, I think that in itself is a feat. You know, usually it's off the rails in 18 seconds, but not tonight. I mean, we kept that thing. That train kept going. And um, definitely check out, check out Tony. Buy his book. I'm going to talk to him afterwards because I need an autographed copy of that. You know, um, like Jeff said, stilltoking.com. And uh, yeah, to all our veterans and first responders, we want to thank you for doing what you do so people like us can do what we do. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. We're out of here.